You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to the Critical Commentary Watch Along Podcast about this here show, Riverdale, or whatever it was this week. <laughs> Recorded here on the unseated stolen territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Mm-hmm. As always, also where Riverda- much of Riverdale is shot. Um, this was an episode. Oh, yeah, it, it happens. I don't hate it. <laughs> so I thought that this was... I, I liked <laughs> this choice because I don't care about Hiram. Mm. And I kind of do a bit more now. Okay. And it, there was an opportunity. Like, I enjoy moments in shows where you get a chance to see the minor characters do more, yeah, more yeah, than yeah. what those actors are normally asked to do. Yeah. that That's that's one of my sweet spots. Um, I also really enjoy um, the Godfather movies, and the references in this were fun for me. Um, this episode is not the Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather <laughs> is a timeless classic. Um, and this was an episode of Riverdale. Um, bless. Uh, but I thought it was really solid, honestly. It, it, I was prepared to be bored, and there were times where I felt like mm-hmm. the episode dragged and was a little, um, uh, what's the word I want? The episode... Was a little tropey, but that's the shtick in Riverdale. Yes, it was a complete genre package deal. Um, and so I I didn't like it, but that's about me. The show was finely crafted in a <laughs> lot of points. Um, I didn't care about Hiram or the... The conflict choices. Like, the, there were some yeah. decent stories, but they weren't ones that were... F- being told for anything that I'm invested in right at this moment, it was fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I respect it as a, a one-off complete um, genre piece in the mm. in the tradition of what they've been doing with the flashback episodes seasonally now. That's sort of more what I mean. Like, there, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would choose to watch this episode again for fun, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I did... Um, I was surprised to see moments where Martin Consuelo uh, Martin, sorry, Mark Consuelo's got to be mm-hmm. tender playing Hiram's father. Yeah, yeah. Or um I was I was just surprised by the boldness of the choice. That really mm. surprised me. I really thought that Hiram was gonna be a one note character for the entire show. That's really what I expected. Right. Giving him a show's worth of, of on screen backstory is um is an unexpected choice, and I guess in, in some ways is a, is a really sensible choice for a fifth season project. Um, and this this episode does move plot along. This episode does quite effectively tie in a lot of the last few seasons of plot. That's true, um, yeah. And roots it back into what the heck is happening. And uh, wraps up a lot of very messy mysteries that, like... I betcha they didn't exactly know how they were going to answer it when they writ the, wrote them. Yeah. Um, there were two, like, two things that popped. I'm going to, like, probably give my two cents as we watch a lot, <laughs> as we always do. But as two things do. that are sort of popping up for me right now. One is um, 
in terms of the continuity between this episode and The Midnight Club, mm. where, um, first of all, that actor is younger in The Midnight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that's Mark Consuelo's son. Yes. Because they have the same Michael voice. Michael Consuelo. Ident- identical voices. <laughs> identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, was, before I realized they were related and looked that up again, and I, was, I was especially impressed with the casting. Yeah. But it still worked really well. Um, and... Uh, so some of the continuity stuff in that I found, uh, it, it really had that strong sense of we wrote this after we wrote the other thing. Yeah. We were tying some threads together because we realized the, the, the hen is messy here. So yeah, we're, we're hemming. Yeah. There's yeah. Big hemming quality. And then (laughs) there weren't actually that many references to Citizen Kane other than the title and... Jughead narrating at the beginning, what is Hiram's rosebud? Mm. And yeah, we actually don't get a rosebud unless Palladium is supposed to be the rosebud. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. like, it's a different way of telling a past trauma story growing up, chi- a youth childhood story. Yeah. Um, yeah, Riverdale, they're so interesting for referencing very specific plots and pieces um, that circle around, you know, the, the, the exact piece they, like, they, they scatter a lot of Easter eggs in, in the text and in the wording, uh, around the genre, uh, which is, which is a neat, consistent detail. Oh, hello, Tazzy. Um, Tazzy is on my lap. It's a great place. So I didn't think Tazzy liked me. But we were talking, comparing uh, cat notes last night, and I've only just gotten to hang out with Tazzy on proper anxiety medication. Yeah. And um, it turns out Tazzy and I are on the same meds. Yeah. At radically different ratios. Yes, it's true. Tazzy weighs uh, not but six and a half pounds. Tazzy the cat, if you're confused. <laughs> yes. Tazzy the cat is on my lap. Yes. We, <laughs> we, have, um, we have show pets. I mean, they're my pets, but yeah, Ryan I claim contributes them. to their care. Um, thank you for that distraction. Uh, the spot references, it it wasn't a reference intentionally, but I was reminded of watching The Departed. Mm, Um, That's in genre. But especially because the multi-casting, multi-era jump back and forth of this episode, Mm -hmm. um, threw me for who is who scene to scene. Like, it was well cued, it was well given, and if I was a little bit more invested and focused, I probably <laughs> would have followed. But much like the Matt Damon, whatever other dude is, I I got confused periodically about who we were, when, where, what. Mm, yeah, that's funny. Um, I uh, oh the other one other thing I'm going to mention before we jump in is um this episode was violent. Oh in a, yeah, in a way that the CW normally doesn't show. Yeah. No, that's very true. Like, on screen. Like, uh, they killed an old man in his bed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and they shoot up a restaurant room. Yeah. That's a very classic yeah. trope of the story. Shoot up a bunch of rivals while they're eating pasta. Correct. Well, should we jump in on that note? Let's do the thing. All right, gang. Ready to sync up? I'm going to get very close to the mic because I'm reaching over it. Red D. Three, two, one. Ba doom ba. 
I honestly can't re- reproduce the weird new Warner sound. It's not in my soul the same way. No, um, uh, what's it? Recap. No recap, just straight to Pex. Yeah, straight to Pex. They, I wonder if this is in his contract that they have to show this kind of stuff. That's so hard to do what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, those upside down crunches. Good lord. Um, I imagine, I, I don't think this is the sort of thing that gets put in the contract from the actor side. Um, but certainly, like, the ex- the the... The expectation on the actor is often spelled out regarding uh, specific nudity or scenes or, or uh, abs or and, and warning for such things. Like, there's there are some standards. I think there might be union standards mm. um, around that communication. But I think they're just giving him a feature episode and... Because of because his rep includes beefcake, yeah. I think the beefcake montage uh, is part of his part of his vehicle episode. Because Mark Consuelo does yeah. does a lot with this. Yeah, um, I, you know it's interesting. Now that I'm watching this the second time, this this episode has a lot more thought put into it than I notice some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I noticed that some of the episodes have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's like that transition between Reggie and Hiram at the beginning, them yeah. sort of being on the same path, the same journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. It's more thought than I usually expect into Reggie's motivation and connections. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something I'm watching on my second pass through here. Um, Reggie's arc, which lives in the meta story of this telling. There's a lot of about the genre format that just because it's not one I enjoy, I think got in the way of me following the flow of the character beats as well. Mm. Um, the combination of the, the um, non-chronological time-jumping storytelling, the, the, the cast swap a they're all very clever techniques. Um, I just wasn't the audience for them, I think, mm, to mm. for them to work and really follow the the through line of each character in each time, mm. in particular. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you mentioned that because I've never thought of this genre as particularly hard to follow, but there is actually a lot of talking head and who's mm. who's who's on first that goes on because there's double mm. crossing and there's tons of names and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I I just don't find myself very engaged by that specific aesthetic and that specific power conversation. Mm. Um I feel like it's a very saturated, robust um trope. Um and I'm, maybe I burnt out early on it. Yeah. A couple of powerful people butting crime heads. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I don't really know how accurate a representation it is of organized crime. <laughs> you know? Like, I, re- I really don't. I don't know how accurate The Godfather or The Departed is. Really, I don't. And that's just, that's a question I propose to the air. Film has, um, film has never been accurate to, to Mafia. But the Al Capone era owes a lot to the films preceding the Al Capone era because oh. the tropes that the those folks grew up with became what they did. 
That's interesting. I didn't know that Al Capone was late enough in the century that there could be a a generation of gangster movies for them to be. Oh yeah, the whole tradition of prohibition as a multi generational. That's so interesting because uh, the film industry wasn't that hmm. old then. No film, black and whites, Penny Dreadfuls, Pulp Fiction. There's a lot of ways in which we told those stories. Um, one of the things that I wanted to note, one, the name mm-hmm. McFarlane, they spell it differently here, is a family <laughs> name of mine. Um, but I, some of the tropes of masculinity in this episode I thought were mm. really interesting. Mm. Like Reggie selling the car, saying, like, this is the car your son's going to get laid in. Yeah. You know. A little bit of a, like, almost um, a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross vibe of heavy, like, heavy sales. Mm-hmm. Banter, little crude, little rude, but effective. Yeah, I um, I thought about the difference between this dad. Mm. I forget this character's name, Reggie's father. Mm-hmm. The tactics he uses with Hiram versus the tactics that Hiram's father uses with Vito. Uh huh. Um, yep, certainly on second watch, the parallel is much clearer, um, the framing and the shots and, and, and that conversation. Um, yeah, because Hiro gives him it out. He says, first of all, Reggie is, like, skilled enough to get an untraceable gun, which is amazing. Yeah, I guess mid-twenties, he's really specced on this organized crime thing. I guess so. Um, what I was gonna say, though, was Hiram kind of gives, um, Reggie's dad an an out Mm -hmm. before he threatens him because that's the mistake that Javier made. Right. He sort of says, choose your next words carefully or better yet, get out of my office and he kind of looks after him wistfully, you know? Right. We get a, we get a, a little intergenerational learning one step at a time thing. Mm-hmm. Which, which is the the sort of intergenerational repetition and development is something I I attribute or expect in uh, organized crime stories. Like secession is so often a question, and it's not just secession of property and power, but often secession of a a moral high ground or a masculinity or uh, secession of the hero perspective Mm -hmm. like the way Hiram steps completely into Vito's shoes um that secession didn't occur logistically it was so thematically bam um and that's something that sticks out to me about again this this genre this structure Hmm. yeah um the other thing I noticed about this episode, I'm just realizing it as I'm looking at this scene, is um, we don't have our saturated pinks and blues. Mm. It's very, uh, it, it's almost like the color of whiskey or the color of like yeah. leather shoes or, or leather polish. Yep. You know? Clean brown dark tones, uh, clean white light, heavy, heavy, heavy shadows around mm-hmm. all the edges. Yeah, it's... It's very much Hiram's aesthetic, but without without the crackling fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fire is missing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Which interesting distinction. Yeah, I yeah I find that this character that they got Mark Consuelos to play is really um a 
appealing to me. This, he's suited to this role, which is interesting to me because Hiram mm. is so deeply the opposite of this character. Mm-hmm. Well, I in Hiram, I see a a um, very an almost camp villain mm-hmm. often, uh, and in this role, I'm really getting like the authentic loved one from Titanic era serious drama. Oh yeah. Um, and I I think. I think he's well served by the the context shift, but he does well with it. Mm-hmm. He does great things with it. Uh, and this is where I think of this episode as a vehicle for Mark Consuelo. Yeah, it is. Although I think they're also trying to give Charles Melton things to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, consistent emotional through lines... I'm for going, Reggie. I'm going to be very rude and make sure we're saying this actor's name correctly. Uh, the one playing Hiram Lodge? Yes. Mark Consuelos. Okay, good. This is, worth, this is a good confirmation. We've made mistakes before. We'll do it again. Yeah. But they're, they're avoidable, avoidable. Yeah, like mage dynamic, Madeline, Petch. Ah. Very hard. I struggle. <laughs> These creative, beautiful star names of the, like, seventh generation of stars. <laughs> I think in some cases it's just their names. This resentful... In some cases. FP on the end here. This is, yeah, this is where the we're getting the, the flashback everyone's their parents thing. It's, it's interesting to me... I get... I guess... This really is in the vein of parent, parents' backstories, but it does feel different to me than um, than Alice's story uh, in the Halloween, her big secrets, than um, anything Mary or um, mm. our other flashback perspective parents sort of... It's no less campy. It's just... Well, like there's, a, there's our pink. The genre is completely different. Yeah, Pops is pink. Pops is always pink, yeah. Pops is pink. But it's interesting, the saturated pink arrives with this character. Mm. That's interesting and to it's, me. And it's more reddish than pink. Mm-hmm. Um, and without the blue contrast, it plays hot, but steady hot. Um, I'm reminded of Hiram's fire motifs. Yeah. Oh, I love really, really over-reading into the lighting choices in this show. Um, <laughs> I really hope there's like... Two dudes for who gripped for an episode and a half who are really thrilled to be seen. I, he says, Cucina Sacasa. I didn't notice that last time. Like, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Oh, what a great way to make people learn your name. <laughs> That's very fun. It's money is blood money. And I imagine it's a neat experience uh, getting your son a role... In that, like, it's clearly, he's the obvious choice to play young uh, Mark and Suelo. Yeah. But then getting to really work together to do something, develop, develop it into something fun like this, something really ro- robust. Um, I'm surprised how well he fits into the Riverdale uh, ensemble. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's also the mystery man I saw who I thought was Veronica, but it's actually Hermione kissing in the mm. car. Oh, 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 oh. I figured it out. Yeah. That was smart of them to put it in the trailer because it looks very like, what's <laughs> this? <laughs> Who's that? Such drama! Because we all know that Secretly Riverdale is just about thirst. It's all about thirst and drama. 
And by secretly, I mean it's not secret. <laughs> um, but yeah, like in here, the pink, the pink and blue is not present. No, there's like this green, and there's this sort of orangey. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this food looks good. Pale cyan and steady, unflickering reds. Warm orangey reds. Also, this actor is wonderful. Oh yes, this this is an episode with a robust set of one-off cast members. Um, that that aligns with what you said earlier about the the care that's taken in this episode. Um, going through it again to really really map things out uh, very tightly and succinctly and completely. And I, I and you you watch much more of this than I do. I think mm-hmm. um, is that a like the 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 tight wrap up catharsis the the very slick. Um, smooth storytelling flow of it, the very specifically smooth type of storytelling. Mm. Uh, certainly that feels like what I saw in The Departed, for example. But um, I'm wondering how, like, I think I've, I've only seen a little bit of The Sopranos, but I do feel like there's often a roundness to the story. Oh, these interesting. These stories. Um, I, uh, I've never seen The Sopranos. Um, it's been years since I've seen The Departed. Um... I don't find a roundness to the story that's interesting. Hmm. Well, the end of the Godfather trilogy ends in a very unround, very jagged, very sad place. Um, (laughs) But the first two movies, I guess, wrap up. I guess they do. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, The ending of this show is like pure Riverdale. Yes. You know. Yeah. It's it's very satisfying. It's Mm -hmm. very... Chicken McNugget satisfying. Yeah. Uh, but it does it does also close the genre episode really nicely. Like I I'd be shocked if we're back in Gangland anytime soon. Right. And I'm I'm good with that. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just been thinking about the last time we saw a bunch of gangsters around a table, which was that Papa Poutine oh, yes. thing. This is so much more palatable to me this mm. episode I find a lot more palatable than that well they're playing the genre much straighter yeah um, and the the whole episode is contained genre rather than uh, you know referential support pieces and background pieces uh, and the name Papa Poutine is not meant to be taken seriously uh, in the way that Vito the man who uh, grooms you as his henchman it's a yeah. Whole different. Hmm. Yeah, it is very different, and it's very different than Hiram trusting a teenage boy to form a militia. Right. Like this is a very different. Like I feel like there's a big tonal shift here. Mm-hmm. Like the I, like the writing in this episode is very different than any other Riverdale episode I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um, I wonder if. The genre is calling for that, mm. um, like to 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 get as immersive in this type of story. If it requires that tonal shift, yeah, or if that's, that's meant to be a Hiram tonal shift, many many options. And this is an interesting difference between Hermione and Veronica's character. I don't mm. think that her, Veronica would like prize a leather jacket in the same way. 
Mm. Like Veronica's very like Veronica's very like I provide my own wealth. Right. Whereas I feel like Hermione here is interested in climbing with that, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Well, we we see them both fairly recently emerged, if at all, from pretty severe poverty. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, you know, they they make points about neither of them neither of them having parents in in well in well paying jobs in stable jobs they uh they draw those similarities and this this shared thirst of social climbing um i guess it's an it's there's a class dynamic that they've touched on before with Hiram mm-hmm. that that is that is interesting uh that that has some weight yeah, I I wonder how much they just wanted to like get mileage out of young pops. Yeah, <laughs> that actor's so good looking. I really wish that he had more opportunity. This episode, it's all about this episode. Oh, sorry, Riverdale gang, big yawn. Um, yeah, this is a cute date. I'm reaching just a bit. I'm reaching just a bit because at this point in the show, I'm kind of. A little disengaged because I've I've seen it through. Yeah. Um, that's that's another like when you start like re- reading deeply into the tropes and formats, it's so easy to spoil spoil yourself for certain pretty effective mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the 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 slow roll down the hill to the end of of. All. All of these plot pieces, the slow inevitable role. Um, yeah, that's I've, interesting. The thrill is different. I hope, but I. Oh, this is sorry. I'm distracted because this is so Hermione. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna go see the gangster. Yep. And explain, and for, for Veronica too. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna get him to help. And she does. And yeah. like, I. That's a neat origin story for Hermione's own mm-hmm. leadership role, as has been up and down in different episodes. Yeah, and what I think is interesting is that they give space to Hermione as, like, the co-creator of the Lodge mm. shtick. Like, she picks the last name. Mm-hmm. She goes to see the um, the boss here. She, right. uh, she notices that... Um, Jaime Hiram is on the up and up. Mm-hmm. You know, she really, she's a bit of, she knows how to maneuver. Yes, she has, she brings um, a strategic eye that is maybe very complimentary. Um, Here comes the first siren, Riverdale gang. <laughs> <laughs> So we um, like we have a we have a, a Hiram that is very um very tactically clever, very good at digging into opportunities. Um but that like that date where they're sounding out who they are mm-hmm. in in some in literal terms, really. Um it's a neat it's a neat Beat to show that they are complementary as a couple in so many ways, outside of all of the giant red flags we've been waving for seasons. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, this food, gosh, they make this food look really good. I can practically smell that pasta dish. I mean, the entire uh, Vancouver film industry has worked in food services at one point or another, so we know how to make a dish look good. That's true. Um, I think it's so interesting that... Like, I'm interested in the way that Hermione is testing him because she mm. says, she's like, oh, I like your coat. Yeah, I'll go on a date with you. Okay, well, I'm going to go tell your boss you're in trouble, but you're not allowed to take me out again. Like, uh, uh, one up me. Yeah, like, we're playing yeah, poker. Yeah. You need to put in more chips kind of a thing. Right. Uh, there's a, there, yeah, challenge. Challenge dating. Mm-hmm. Challenge courtship. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not something I've ever really understood, but some people really rock it. Yep, it's a dynamic that can work, and like I see where I see where it, it it's it, that where that's the spark with these two characters, challenging each other in that kind of a game. Yeah, um, like they're both both such extremely ambitious characters. That's it's neat to see how that snowballs yeah. as they're going off bouncing off each other absolutely there's the shot there's the shot I was so confused by the red herring oh they're at a they're at a drive and someone's about to come serve them I was like why are they just sitting in the parking lot what are they doing <laughs> um who's this teacher did we get a name for her I don't think we do oh one day I don't we, think we do we've been here in your classroom Oh, a few times now, right? I think so. Oh. <laughs> it's very eerie how well they make, how much they make KJ Apple look like mm. young, I just forgot his name. Wonderful. Luke Perry. Luke Perry, yeah. yeah. Like this, for example, like this is like a real, like a real fight sequence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's more um, gritty violence and less superhero. Yeah. Last episode, I, you know, someone takes a kick to the face, they're fine. This episode, someone, someone's face yeah. is slammed into some metal, and it's about yeah. bloodying them. And, like, big dominatrix moves from Hiram Lodge there. What's my name, Gentle? <laughs> Goodness. Power and sex. That's also the first time we've actually seen an image of Jesus, I think, in this Catholic family. We've seen the, the- cross, we saw the inside of the church, we saw, like... Wait, which Jesus? Little bust on the table? Little bust of Jesus, yeah. Itty bitty Jesus? Yeah. Huh. Everybody's mad at everybody. I got a call from your school. So that just makes me think that, like, Set Deck plays a game of Hidden Jesus now. Because... Has there there been other Hidden Jesus? No, not necessarily. But why would you put your first, um, your first bust of, of a major religious figure in the background? supposed to be sort of a um mm. uh an indication that this is a heavier mm. episode right 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 right. part of the tonal shift of of the flashback and the story yeah i mean i i cannot think of yeah i have a limited selection but i cannot think of gang related film tropes that don't easily easily tie with catholic iconography often laden, laden with it. Um, there's an entire tradition of Mexican uh, crime dramas that I've only seen a blip of, but I feel like there's a lot 
I, I, I want to look into more after this episode. Because mm. um, I've, I've mostly only seen, like, Tarantino's little stolen bits of that genre. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm distracted by this scene because this is, like, the most, like, appalling thing to hear as a parent, I would imagine. Hmm. And he doesn't really feel good saying it, you can tell. Mm-hmm. <sighs> also, all I can smell in my apartment is cat food. I keep inhaling cat food. <laughs> I must be downwind of something. Good cat. That's Several true. cats. Um, so, yeah, the tactics are different here. Yes. Yeah, he's like because Reggie's dad says Reggie's a fool. He says, you know, he's a good boy, but he's impressionable. Right down um, to the the axis being flipped. This conversation's happening in an opposite, in a flipped way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I might be digging too hard because truly, it's it's hard to run, give a running commentary to languid, tense, emotional dialogues that go for long lengths because like it's a lot it's a lot of sitting and reacting yeah yeah so this is like a very real threat although it sort of surprises me that Vito doesn't have the cops in his pocket Hmm. you know well maybe Vito's not that big a deal yet yeah, I mean, he is a small-town mob boss. Yeah, Riverdale mob boss. Hire him had to go to New York and mob boss up. That's so true. He had to level up. Oh, La Llorona. That's a very pretty song that they're playing in the background. Hmm. Yeah. He believed mm. human nature was good. Yeah, it's just an interesting choice for him to say. He was a smart man. He believed human nature was good. It's just not a very high room thing to say but he does turn mm. around and say he was wrong it, it it is quite a dimension to add to what in the past i have taken as a very um straightforward conflict the emotional complexity of hiram's respect and uh and relationship and conflict with his dad being fleshed out um yeah. it, it brings a lot so this is way more violent than riverdale normally is you yep. see all those blood plaques Blood, 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 blood packs exploding. Also, dear... Also, poor Pop on all these shootings that is yeah. poor diner. Um, I was just going to say, like, remember when it was shocking when there was a shooting at Pop's? Apparently, there's a long-standing tradition... Yeah. ...of hits and murders at Pop's. Also, I was going to say, do you remember how in the first season there was a, a black woman who was mayor... And Josie was really popular, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, the Lodges were very rich, this Latinx family. It's interesting that in this episode, they're acknowledging some historical exclusion, mm. um, and mm-hmm. acknowledging that service jobs were often relegated, to, are often relegated still in the United States and in Canada to um, folks who come from that historical exclusion. Yes. Um Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, um, so I just noticed a shift there where... Here's another Siren Riverdale gang right across the street from a hospital <laughs> coming to you live from the, <laughs> from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I just think I just think it's an interesting shift from everything is great in Riverdale mm. to, mm-hmm. ooh, this show messed up a few times about representation to, okay, we're going to acknowledge the historical truths here. Yes. 
yeah, yeah. I just think and that's interesting. It's it um it's. I'm intrigued by what foundation it lays. Like tr- uh, working historical narratives of of race dynamic and class conflict mm-hmm. and the intersection of them into your narrative, into your backstory. Um, that can certainly lay some groundwork for a more, a richer contemporary story. Um, like it, it, it feels like the, the, almost the training wheels version to a degree mm. of exploring the subject. Oh in yeah, that it, it, you there, have, There's no depth here. Yeah, the decades <laughs> of hindsight gives a degree of safety. Yeah. Um, but also lay um, richer and less less caricature roots for Hiram's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this great moment where Penelope's, like, telling her off. Mm-hmm. Your boyfriend is a gangster. And she's like, he's trying to break the cycle of poverty. Like, shut up, white lady. Also, girl, you are projecting. Yeah, it's true. Your boyfriend brother... Is the gangster. That's true. Yeah. But also, Penelope is a victim of terrible, terrible abuse. And Penelope has now owned her evil. But at this point in time, I think Penelope is still lashing out. And I can't blame her. Those nuns were mean. Those nuns were mean. Poison nuns. Good God. (laughs) See, this is an interesting mistake for this man to make. Mm. Now that your dad's out of the way. Mm. You know, like, he he must know how that looks. He knows that this person that he's hired, this young person that he's hired, isn't stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. But does he think this young person he hired is capable or uh, willing to extract bloody vengeance upon... Well, there's Vito's that. entire organization. <laughs> That's a good point. Like most people, you intimidate. They don't come shoot all your all your guys. It's true. Like that's that can happen, but it's sort of an outlier. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I think, like, if someone murdered my parent, I'd be very upset. But. I would, I would not... certainly take the threat. Yeah, I also would not know how to go about exacting revenge. Mm, yeah. You know, like I don't have the connects. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the organized back the organized crime foundationals. Alas. Or not alas. It's hard to say. Um I could probably do like super rule backwater body disposal. Back, uh, backwoods uh, Appalachia style okay. in the swamps. Riverdale gang, I need to assure you that this is not a true crime podcast. We're not like laying the seeds for a, <laughs> a future episode. I wish I had such insight into the future of this show. What, what is this train? What is the deal mm. with this train? It's a, it's a fabulous visual. Um, I, I'm brought to... Um, North American South to to Mexico to Texas in visuals to cowboys and westerns, um, perhaps. Uh, but I yeah, I, I just why though because mm-hmm. it seems very significant both times it happens. Mm-hmm. I I I suspect this is something that's going over both of our heads um, for how pointed and and um, is there a tree it is in Citizen Kane? 
or train in the Godfather. I can't remember. Mm. Listen, if any of you know Riverdale Gang, please, please feel free. <laughs> feel free to tweet us. Yes. Tweet. Please inform us more of the genre. We must learn. Oh, Reggie. Oh, this, Reggie. This is a sweet episode for Reggie. Yeah. He gets some legitimate healing. Yeah. I also love this. I'm going to put the shakes in the fridge. It's a great line. Like, this whole <laughs> scene is really great. Honestly. And again, it's a deep, heartful, slow, steady talk of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's pink and blue. Yeah. And all the other colors. Because the drug den. Yeah. <laughs> the drug den is the rainbow place. That's what we learned with Betty yeah. and uh, Betty's plot last time. It's so interesting to me how you can suggest people with just some lights and one actor. Mm. It feels like there's a full club behind him. It's a fantastic cheat code. Like yeah. we, Part of this is audience training, right? Yes. Um, we are... We are very, very much queued up by existing media for what illusions to see. It's a neat effect. Um, my, one of my favorite historical examples of that, um, because it's so starkly different, I think it illustrates well, um, in, in Japanese theater, 1600s theater, there is, um, there's a stagehand role that is on stage, uh, the koken or kuroken, uh, mm-hmm. different things. They're invisible stagehands, and they're dressed all in black. And the convention is that the audience understands they're not there. Mm. And so a trained audience glazes over and does not notice them. Now the tradition and the the visuals of the ninja that we have today of a person all in black jumping out uh, is a reference to a uh, an 1800s play that used this device to have one of the invisible stagehands jump out and become the assassin. Oh, and, that's cool. And by breaking the audience's trained expectation, it has resonated for hundreds of years in media now. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, it's... The amount of things you don't realize you fill in the blank of in films like this, and especially in a show like, like Riverdale that is so genre-thick. Um, that's a neat cognitive game to play. What did I juxtapose into this shot. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. This thing I might be on the eye for it on the watch for it a little bit more. Mm. Um and then we're this is interesting, we're suddenly back to like, okay, plot, 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 plot. Yeah. Well I appreciate that they effectively tie it back to the contemporary. Yeah. Um honestly more effectively in a lot of ways than past flashbacks have for me. Like, mm. past flash- flashbacks had given me the answer. Right. Whereas this uh, show, and perhaps owing to the the um, the, the well-written structure and choices made in, in the whole genre, um, it flows. It flows some pathos through. Through and onward. <laughs> it's interesting to me that that's your takeaway from my story. Um, and Hiram's like, well, okay. Okie dokie. Yep. Now, Reggie does have some meaningful character growth here. Oh, yeah. Which... I thought the, I thought it ended in an interesting place. Mm-hmm. Is, 
when was the last time we got meaningful on-screen character growth that wasn't just a single beat of reactive change for Reggie? I don't know. Yeah. It's like he was co-captain with Archie for a while and had plot and meaning and I feel like he in in his his um supporting character frequent in ins and outs I've not seen a lot of emotional changes happen for Reggie on screen. There's been reveals about his past. There's been conflicts and him dealing with the bad stuff of his life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this episode is a lot of new territory. I'm glad I talked about this for an hour because I like it more after talking about it. <laughs> um, it's funny how that happens. It's what, like what I need to enjoy the genre is to make myself uh, intimately analyze and focus. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense as I say it out loud. <laughs> Man, this act, this like one-off actor that, well, I'm sure he has a rich and varied career, but... Yes. As far as Riverdale is concerned, this one-off actor, he's really good. <laughs> yep. They they picked a good scene partner for Mark Consuelo. Mm-hmm. Um, Consuelos. Consuelos, thank you. And his son. For them both. Like, this is very grim for Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget what he says here, and, and unfortunately with the, um, with the closed captioning, we're just mm. getting speaks in mm-hmm. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But it was God. something about... Friends in life, the the friend of my life, the something I can't remember now. I'll have right. to go back and listen. And then, adios. Adios. I think that there are a lot of tropes of that, right? Yes, I would imagine so. I. So this I didn't expect, and I thought this was an interesting choice because that mm-hmm. means that one Hiram is operating alone, and yeah. that frees Reggie up to do other plot stuff with the main cast. Yeah, something's interesting. It's now. This is for Reggie's good, right? Yeah, I would say so. Like, it's like more parenting than I'm. I've seen him give his daughters. Y- yes, <laughs> it, I did find it interesting that there was this moment with Hermosa at the end. Mm. And one of my favorite moments in this whole episode is him eating ice cream alone in bed, watching his ex-wife and his estranged daughter. Yes, that was uh, ridiculous. I thought and that was really touching, but like it's ridiculous. Like it's definitely a, yeah. a stereotype. It was. The it cat's was a, snuggling. The me. cat is snuggling me. She's. So it's happy. been very distracting in the best way. She uh, put put her wet little nose along my leg and Aww. has just snuggled in. Snuggle. Good cats. Good cats make make Riverdale even richer. Yeah. Um. What were we saying? Um, we were talking... <laughs> I'm now distracted by the fact that he... I don't know how he feels... How I feel about... Him giving his dad another chance. I don't mm. know how I feel about that. He's gonna he, beat him. Yeah. But, you know, they're... They're in a power dynamic that's different now. And if Reggie has the space and stamina to give that outreach and start that work. Um, you know, we've, we've seen examples of Reggie's dad caring for him. Mm, um, we've true. seen practical examples. You know, it's, it's a complicated relationship. There is domestic violence on screen. We've seen it. It's established. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always more complicated than that for the characters within it. The individuals within it. I guess that's true, Yeah. 
And there is nothing like the parent-childhood relationship. Like, there's no other relationship like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's it's a it can it can be a particularly uh, high stakes choice for for most people mm-hmm. to to try to cut that relationship off for any reason. And I think a lot of people have forgiven a lot worse in their in their parents. Um, yeah, well, I also think it's interesting. Like the roles are very reversed. He just says mantle and son, mm-hmm. and then he comforts his dad. He's taller than his dad. It's okay. Like there's yeah. a very, there's definitely yeah. a role reversal of like you were never an adult, so I'm going to be the adult now. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and in the in the the place of stability, the place of more control and power that Reggie has come to this episode, mm-hmm. um, he can do that, and that's that's a huge progression for Reggie. Being able to show compassion in that way, yeah, uh, having the the having the the capacity to not feel his anger first. This yeah. is so creepy, and I, it is hilarious, and it's so creepy, and it's so Riverdale. I don't find this creepy. I find this, I find this really touching and really sad. Wait, how is he accessing? It's it, this is um this is real Housewives of New York or whatever it is. Oh, this is what reality TV is like. Oh, jeez! I thought he was watching creepy security cameras no, of his ex. He's watching. <laughs> he's watching a public live television show that anyone can see. <laughs> oh, life's just like that now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Also, I yeah I love that Hermosa is just like not changed. Still sous chef to this whole experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very different type of secession. Yeah. I can't stumble now. So here we're not actually sh- seeing any change mm-hmm. from Hiram. We're going back to... It's not so much that we're getting the... Um... Like, we're coming back to Riverdale stakes with this. Like, yes. we've gone on this nice meander through what could just be a movie. Yeah. And we've come back to Riverdale. We've come back to Hiram stakes, which yes. is where we began, mostly. Mm. Yeah. We be- began mm. Jason Blossom. By the end of season one, we were certainly invested in Hiram stakes. He yes. was the big reveal, right? Gosh, that was season two. We didn't get a Mark and Spoiler the entire first season. It's been seven years. Um, yes. Hermosa is in on it. Hermosa is in on the end game. And yeah, that's, that's right. That's interesting. That's a detail. Um, that complicates her relationship with Veronica. Certainly. Um, in a way that I hope will mean more screen time for them yeah, together. Yeah, I hope we get Hermosa back. It's so distracting that Netflix is advertising other shows to us. When we just I'm want to talk about it. the last show we finished. Thanks, Netflix. I know we can turn it off. We just keep switching computers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm satisfied with that. That um, I'm glad I watched it a second time. I don't know that I will ever watch it a third. But I'm glad for the second. Yeah. That was a solid episode. I feel mm-hmm. like... I feel like I had emotions I don't normally have watching Riverdale. Mm-hmm. I could... I think this is an episode that will inform past scenes interesting right which i think is cool i think that's Mm -hmm. one of the strikes of the episode yeah yeah it's quite a neat accomplishment okay gang well ryan and i have to 
rush off and be dress rehearsal um, attendees at a local show. Yeah. Uh, give them a test audience. You're going to so, walk through a park yeah. and be circused. Be circused. Life is awesome. Woo-hoo. Life is terrible, but also awesome. Yeah. Just like Riverdale. <laughs> There's my segue, gang. See y'all next week. See you next week.